Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Today, I'm in conversation with Bit Sethi, a principal consultant at PM Power with over 35 years of experience in the IT industry. He shares the experience of his growing up days in Pantnagar and developing a passion for reading books. Then he goes on to talk about how he became an electronics engineer and after the first job, wanted to pursue a career in management and took up an MBA where he learned transactional analysis and applying that in the context of organizations. How he went back to being a technical engineer in designing an ECG machine, and later on playing multiple roles in terms of managing projects to becoming a CTO, and how he discovered his passion for teaching and helping others. His stint with being or launching a startup, as well as how he accumulates or keeps track of everything that he reads. He talks about spending time in capturing the state of his mind before switching states as he plays multiple roles wearing different hats, such as a facilitator, as well as someone who owns the outcome. He shares an interesting story of delivering a training session in a remote location where there was no power and he couldn't use PowerPoint slides. And how, by using just three questions, the session became a success. All of us can use that. He also shares his experience of being in a father-son founding team in his startup and the trigger and the satisfaction he derives from his podcast. And like with other guests, he also shares his career advice for people considering careers in IT. Listen on. Hi, Bridge. Welcome to the Software People Stories. Hi, Shim. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, the first time when we met, I actually was very curious because I had heard about you from JV and others. And uh, I wanted to know your story. And I thought that will be of great interest to our audience. So we'll start with your origin story and maybe your career trajectory, and then we will take it from there. Sure, I can. I'm happy to talk about it. I grew up in a university campus, Pantnagar University, actually. This is near Nainital in Uttarakhand. It was Tarai, a very green place. Childhood memories are of uh, cycling around furiously on the road climbing trees and uh, playing all the games that uh, children without resources play and growing up rather quickly because uh, I had a passion for reading books and used to put myself in the library. In the, in the library, uh, it was basically a library for uh, students who were studying in the university. 
but nobody wants a small kid around trying to reach for books on the shelf now. But I managed to read a whole lot of encyclopedias and I think quite a few books which maybe I wouldn't even supposed to read. So that's how I grew up. There was no 11th and 12th for students in Pantnagar, uh, though of course there were big college afterwards. So I moved to Chandigarh. I wanted to be an engineer by then and uh, mathematics was a subject very dear to me. So my plea was that either I'll be an engineer or I'll get into mathematics, one of the two. I did 11th and 12th and got into Punjab Engineering College, uh, got into electronics engineering. I think uh, I got bitten by the electronics bug pretty quickly in college and uh, started uh, building things and tinkering with stuff. That has continued, that love for doing things with my hands has continued. After college, uh, I wanted to be in software because that was the happening thing at that time. And I happened to have a hardware job. So I went and asked my then boss, what should I do to get into software? And he said, uh, oh, you must do an MBA. And I think he thought, uh, I'm asking him, how do I get into application software? Anyhow, I took his advice seriously. And that was probably one of the few times when I really, really listened to my boss. And then I got into IIM Ahmedabad and uh, was doing the systems package over there because that's what I wanted to go after. Till in the final semester, I got very, very entranced by transactional analysis. And so I said, okay, I'm ready to drop my systems package, but I absolutely want to do a project in TA. And so I uh, went after doing a project called Role of TA in Business. I think it was useful in hindsight because uh, it taught me uh, how to be a half decent manager at least. And uh, from there on, after I finished my MBA, I did not get into a conventional uh, MBA kind of a job, but I went back to the company I was working for earlier and stayed on in the system software side of things. Uh, CSI, CI, SAM file systems and that kind of stuff. A few years later, I wanted to do something on my own and uh, I decided to partner up with somebody who was already making an EEG machine and we decided to do an ECG machine for the heart. I was the engineer in that scheme of things and uh, I think I completely forgot my MBA at that stage full-fledged analog design, digital circuit design, writing firmware, uh, even writing the emulators so that the firmware could be written, doing very, very ground level up stuff. Built an ECG machine. Unfortunately, it did not live to see success because the rupee devalued. And when that happened, the cost of the plotter that we were using shot up. In those days, almost all, not almost all, all ECG machines in India were using a galvanometer. And this was supposed to be a pioneering thing with a plotter. And there were other features like you could transmit the trace over the phone so that, so that even a general practitioner could use the ECG machine and to reach out to, to a cardiologist friend and stuff like that. Anyhow, it was out and I came to Wipro. I joined Wipro in 93. In hindsight, that is when the software business, the services business was booming. So I grew with it and I 
did basically projects in the system software side in what was in Wipro called the real-time systems group, got into distributed objects, turned around the project, uh, got more and more into management at that stage. And uh, finally, at once in around 98, I felt this urge that I don't want to be a manager manager, but I want to be a facilitator. I, I, I want to be useful, not by telling, but by asking them. Somehow it, it, it entranced me. And there used to be a listserv group called GRP, FHCM, so I got active on that. Those were my role models. And so I luckily got a chance to get into Six Sigma at that time, uh, learned how to facilitate from Motorola University. Did Six Sigma projects, and then I think uh, I, I, I left over and joined HP uh, in a uh, in a delivery role only as as VP of engineering. From there, I moved to a CTO position. Uh, the challenge over there was to to facilitate filing a huge number of patents, and I think my facilitator game uh, really helped at that stage. We filed 184 patents in one year, which was up from just seven the previous. The joy of facilitation is such that you get to say, I did nothing and yet it happened. And it's probably a very satisfying thing if that is the mindset from which you are operating. Once bitten by this, I also wanted to teach. So maybe I didn't want to stay so much in hardcore delivery and technology roles. So I went back to Wipro and uh, started evangelizing sustainability and also teaching general managers, fostering synergy, leveraging networking, thinking like an entrepreneur, those kind of topics. I did that and then I moved on to teaching and facilitating uh, BEOs and DEOs, block education and district education officers, is in Azim Primji Foundation. So I did that. By then, my son was had already passed up. He wanted to be a filmmaker and he wanted to be in the education space. So both of us partnered up and started both educational foundation. We were making uh, media and content for uh, education, mostly for the development sector. Did that for a few years. And then uh, when the pandemic hit us, uh, could not go any further because uh, nobody wanted to be in front of camera. So we had to shut down our media business at that time. I can't look too far away from facilitation at any time. So I went back to doing something facilitation related. I started mentoring youngsters uh, and also started a podcast for them. Uh, did that for the last year, year, year or so uh, during the pandemic time. And then I got this wonderful opportunity to be part of uh, PM Power Consulting because I, more than anything else, it's like-minded, same kind of maturity, same kind of benefit people. And I'm looking forward to uh, a useful contribution from there. So that is my story. I, wonderful. I think it is just beginning because it has already given me a lot more <laughs> curiosity questions. Okay. So formally, welcome to PM Power. And um, I do see many similar interests or some things that uh, I have also probably felt like or not been through, etc. So starting with uh, your Pantnagar time, when you said you would walk into the library, right? Because uh, one of the things that I do when I go to the library, because I found that when I buy books, it takes me forever to complete. Sometimes I don't even complete. 
But when I borrow from a library, there is at least this pressure of having to complete, or you can renew it once, but the next time you feel guilty, at least you read. Then I realized that you go into a library, there are so many books and you're never going to read all of them. So I said, it doesn't really matter. So walk into any aisle, particularly aisle that I've never been to before, pick up some book, probably judging it by the cover, even though it's not so, and then read it. When you said that you are probably reading in a positive way, the age inappropriate books, <laughs> right? Now, how would you keep all of that in your mind? I mean, how would you connect the various things that you pick up? I think, Shiv, it is more now a choice of letting go and, and throwing away all the garbage that has accumulated over the years rather than anything else. I think education is like a full circle and you eventually return to innocence or return to not knowing anything. And I would say that if I can stop judging and evaluating things by what I already know, then I'm a little bit better educated. So that is what I aspire for. If I can be simple in what I have to share, then that is what is better than if I can, if I have to complicate and share it. But yes, the love for learning and reading has not gone off. Uh, but now it has, instead of library, it has become Audible and Kindle Unlimited. The, while the medium changed, you now one is about uh, connecting the dots because every book or every Audible that you listen to, etc., is probably going to trigger some thoughts, some things you might have experienced, something maybe something you you get curious about, or some things are just tips that you want to try out or you want to share with others. So, do you have a system where you kind of keep an index of sorts? I think that has been a quest for many years uh, how to do that, and I have flutters in G Drive to sh show for it. But I think today I am a big fan of Obsidian. Obsidian is a personal management tool that works with markdown and files on your own machine. I have I was an early adopter. I adopted it early last year and I swear by it today. Also, I have been influenced by a few of the people uh, who, who have thought around in this direction like Tiago Forte or Nick Milos and making maps of content and coming back just in time to, to organize stuff rather than pre-organizing it. So the para system is what I'm referring to. But essentially use Obsidian and touch type away to glory and then come back because you can search it easily. I think that is what seems to work for me today. So how does this help you? Because you mentioned later on that you love facilitation and facilitation <laughs> is always in context, right? I am not sure if it helps me unless I digest it. I have to consciously make an effort to digest it. Otherwise, it is just undigested. So maybe reducing the amount of intake, consciously reducing, becoming more choosy and fussy about what I read and expose myself to is both useful for my reflection and contemplative part as well as for if I have to do only facilitation, then I would probably leave my mind empty rather than saturated. Probably a similar question in terms of uh, the application of TA in business that you mentioned. While TA, from my limited understanding, is a model that will help us understand relationships, particularly when you talk about the parent-child kind of a model. So when you apply to business, did you have to re- think or remap some of these patterns or some of these 
states or roles or did they fit in naturally see i think ta did two things well one it provided me a language and framework to see situations that were dysfunctional for me so if somebody was pushing me into an adaptive child by being a critical parent to me now i had a language and now i had recognition that this had to be fixed rather than trying to continue in that mode and uh, ta kind of says that the default state is that both of us are self empowered and both of us are capable in our own rights i am okay you are okay and therefore uh, the moment you know that this is the desired state a simple real time correction or even an intention or just stopping and discussing about the state rather than the content on hand there are many fixes that emerge the moment you become aware and ta provided the awareness ta provided the language to recognize that this awareness is happening from that kind of an awareness again pardon my questions because i am fascinated by the breadth of things that you have done for example from ta which is somewhat i would say touchy feely abstract and it's <laughs> to six sigma which is all about you no know, measurement and trying to uh, apply it to either you no know, fixed effects or improve and all that uh, one is you now how do you transition between these states of thinking or operation and second is uh, do you find these complementary or contradictory so first transitions i think transition has always been a challenge uh, when i was doing the ecg machine i would struggle for at least half a day while switching from doing firmware to doing uh, uh, to doing hardware design and over time so there used to be a microprocessor called tms 9900 just the texas instruments processor in those days and it had this wonderful way of saving its state in alternate pair of registers and pushing it down the stack okay i found that i can switch better if i save my state and return to it so i would consciously spend 15 minutes half an hour writing down whatever i was thinking whatever were my dilemmas decisions to be made and then switch over and that switch over even between the hard and the soft sides today Uh, maintaining some kind of a journal or reflecting on uh, what I made in my previous journal entry helps me to toggle states and toggle modes. Is there a contradiction between the two? Not really, because my threshold for deciding that a contradiction is there, uh, what the MBTI folks will call, you know, the J orientation rather than the P orientation. I am pretty low on J orientation, so I am able to. sit very comfortably with unresolved stuff which also means i am a poor decision maker i think sitting with contradictions comes more easily to me than anything else then does that create more stressful situations in facilitating when you said that you know you were uh, responsible to get patents filed but then it should be done by others and if yes how do you handle that what a brilliant question so uh, i think my supervisor caught it in time he caught it very early and uh, this wonderful gentleman subho vampati in those days he said that you have to wear two hats the facilitator hat and the outcome hat as long as you are clear in your own mind these are two separate hats 
you'd be okay. And I think that advice was golden. And I, I would say that to anybody who has to, who is responsible for outcomes and is trying to achieve them in a facilitator way, wear both hats and share with your people when you are switching hats so that they are not in doubt because you might not be in doubt, but they might be in doubt whether you are in facilitator mode or you are in the commander mode. And a simple act of sharing with them, I am now in this mode, takes care of it very easily and works very nicely. Uh, moving on again was about your uh, working with the BEOs and DEOs. A completely different sector, I guess, probably also working under the government machinery and the hierarchies and everything else and working through another, say, social enterprise, if I were to call the SMTMG Foundation as a social enterprise. How was that? One is, of course, the culture shift for you to be part of a social enterprise. And second is working with uh, these roles. It was a change. It was a big change. For one thing, I had to learn to facilitate in Hindi rather than continue in English. But more than that, I think the constant was that if you approach people with respect and if you are willing to not be in a hurry to drive to closure, then things go faster. And this is a bit contradictory, and but it was more... It was perhaps one of the most valuable things I learned in my BEO, DEO experience. Are there any interesting stories that you can share in terms of uh, being an influential person or to influence them to do some things that ultimately isn't their good? <laughs> I had, I think, gone with a training program once to Rajasthan. This was a small town, I think. So I had my PowerPoint slides and uh, typically we would shine our PowerPoint slides and try to influence everybody around us. That was the usual modus operandi. This one time there was a projector that did not work. And even if it would have worked, there was no electricity. So all there was was a blackboard. <laughs> and what a huge blessing it was because I just wrote down three questions, actually three words. So why, who, and what? And I said, we are not going to go all over the place. I want everybody to talk around, first of all, why. So it is the why round. Second is the who round. And don't just talk about who you are, but, but talk about who is there in your system, in your life. And maybe if you want to say a good word or two about those who, you can do that. We have all the time that we need. And the third round is the what round. Believe me, I could have walked away after stating this requirement because I did not have to do anything after that. Those guys took care of managing their session, coming out and opening up and actually appreciating those who were there in their system and then coming up with an action plan afterwards. And they were shaking me by the hand and telling me, So that was that was the kind of thing that happened by just letting me. Yeah, very, I think, practical and seems to have achieved the purpose of getting them to take ownership. 
Yeah, sometimes you just have to create an empty space for ownership to happen. We keep filling it up and if we can just keep quiet and let it become empty, then it fills up more easily. Uh, another thing that you mentioned is also uh, probably a multi-dimensional question. Now, one, another startups are hard by themselves. Now, being an entrepreneur requires probably a lot of things to be juggled, etc. And the startup, the founding team is also something that is very, very important. When the founding team is father and son, does it change the dynamics? Because they say that now you need to have a team that is together, but then the, the TA model of you know, being a parent, does it dominate or treating son as a child? or you know, How does that work and how did you evolve something that uh, would make this work? I think it happened. First of all, I have to tell you that because my son grew up with me, so he is used to dealing with the facilitator types. Uh, in his childhood, he would be asked, you ask yourself what you are thinking and what would the answer be? So he was used to dealing with complicated questions like these. So he, that did not stop him from anything being other than my equal. And the credit goes to him that he struck a wonderful balance between being respectful and equal. Also, we were working with media and I was new to media and he had made documentary films and that was his, his area of expertise. So I was the beginner on the block in some ways. I think that helped hugely because if the roles are clear and if you are clear that your job is to just make him successful, then it goes easier. It doesn't mean we didn't have uncomfortable moments but the ability and the willingness to talk and make it work. I think those conversations are the most precious investment that I have made in the last 10 years. So much so that today he and I can talk. I think we will continue to enjoy that. I don't think a father in, at, at the threshold of 60 can ask for a better gift than that. Very inspiring, I would say. Yeah, because working with friends also, sometimes you, know, you hear all these stories of uh, the founding teams falling apart or having conflicts and more so in other situations within families you find when everything else is fine but maybe some issue kind of polarizes positions and uh, people seem to have in hindsight they say oh maybe it was a silly thing we could have got over it but then when it happens I guess in a family situation it becomes a little more sensitive I guess. Yeah. I think generally caring for each other and for getting at the end of the day whether this matters or not because caring is about that that was a huge plus and i think if i recall you mentioned your foray into podcasting what was the trigger and how has that experience been the trigger for podcasting came from my daughter uh, she said that you have so much to share you are shy of sharing so why don't you find a way to share what you can share First of all, she has been pestering me to write a book for I don't know how, how long and I'm too lazy and I've never gotten around to doing anything like that. So I said, yes, podcast seems doable and uh, my son said that he will help with the technical bits. She said she will help with the launching bits and the pandemic had just started so we didn't have anything better to do. And uh, I thought that maybe uh, making myself useful to people who are out of college who might actually be facing a challenge because of the pandemic uh, on how to settle in and settle down into jobs. Let me address that space. 
Uh, I think it has been a wonderful experience. I have learned some new skills and I have made new friends. It has opened me up. I feel easier and more comfortable going out and talking. I also learned how to tell stories a bit better, maybe. Also, uh, I found that uh, in hindsight, uh, the freshers never had it so good as much as they had it in the pandemic because a lot of companies wanted to hire freshers rather than experienced people to give them maybe cost prints down and stuff like that. So helping people find a job became very clear and was not going to be the agenda for my podcast. So instead, I switched over to celebrating role models and that is what my podcast does on uh, bridgesafety.com. Very nice. Yeah, even software people's stories is about celebrating role models like you are. Yes. Right. Oh, I am but I am very awed by the consistency with which you have continued. And uh, if I can say one thing that that matters in podcasting, it is persistence and consistency. And that's off to you for doing that. It's also all the wonderful guests who were willing to come and share their stories. I'm sure there are quite a few listeners who would relate to the situations that you've gone through and something that you've done would definitely inspire them. So on that track, a little segue into what may be broadly called as career advice. One thing that I take away from this conversation is uh, to be a lifelong learner or always keep experimenting, trying to do new things and all that. But for two segments that we try to share some tips from our guests are one, people who are considering a career in IT and second would be the mid-career professionals who want to decide what to do next. What would be your thoughts for them? I think my advice would be uh, to explore and deliver and then run another iteration of explore and deliver and do this iterative. So what I mean by this is that when you explore, then you are opening up to new possibilities. You are expanding. You are looking at what you don't know or you are building on what you know, but it is uncertain. And one can fall in love with just exploring. You should have to consciously stop and take what you have and do something useful with it, add value. And once you deliver, then it gets respected, it gets valued, it gives you the returns that you are looking for it. Don't get complacent with it. Go back and explore again. And if you just iterate like this, uh, again, it's a very agile kind of an advice. Uh, you don't have to lock yourself to whatever uncertainties and adventures the future will bring. They will all be a joy to tackle and take forward. Yeah, now I have a bonus question in the sense that no, <laughs> uh, usually we conclude with the career advice. You've gone through transitions from, let's say, an individual contributor when you were a hardware or a software uh, engineer, developer, uh, to, let's say, a role of a CTO or a CXO when the span of your influence and what you want to achieve is very large and there are multiple teams and so on. And then back to facilitation, which is probably a combination of both where you contribute as an individual, but at the same time, the influence or the sphere of influence is still large. So when in a career, one transitions across types of roles like this, can one prepare for those? Can one get trained or is it based on maybe some natural interest? It is a function of natural interest, but I would say that there are different energies at play. And uh, 
some of the enabling roles are more feminine energy some of the more outcome driven roles are more masculine energy if you learn to manage with a particular mindset or a particular type of energy then you can play with it and it is your friend as long as you explore and you do something useful with your exploration uh, what you need to know and learn will automatically come to you and i kind of believe in that so leave yourself open be willing to take a little bit of risk if you if you can and it will happen but are there any say courses or programs or training that one can go through to become aware of these or to balance these school of hard knocks because maybe maybe i'm overreacting to the fact that i reach out for a book uh, at the drop of any such situation so my first instinct is to go to amazon.com and search for a book that matches what i'm looking to solve and uh, over time i'm realizing do less books do more experiential step out and step there so therefore at, at this moment my advice is school of hard knocks but in reality i do a lot of exploring and so the internet and wherever you know information seeking can happen thanks a lot bridge uh, this has been a wonderful conversation we are limited by time but i do have a few threads i think we might find some common interest shiv thank you so much for being here and for being such a wonderful host i i loved answering the questions and more than that i look forward to being part of the team with you and making myself useful We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.